0: That's right, Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. apply. See website for details. As this Louisville basketball season kind of comes to a, a really pitiful crescendo, uh, to be quite honest with you, I believe it's kind of time to just move on. The season's not quite over, but there are many things that you guys would much rather hear about, discuss, than... What has happened in this 2022-23 season? With that in mind, there is maybe a a tinge of optimism on, on the horizon. So we want to get into that tonight. We'll briefly look back on the season. What are some of the positives, if any, that came from this season? Is Kenny Payne's hot seat hot enough that he could leave after one year? We'll preview the recruiting class that could be coming in in 2023 what players could be on the horizon and and we'll go back and and kind of review what the players have accomplished and what they could accomplish going forward who should remain on the team and who we would rather see kind of find their way out the door all that and more next on the starting 502 podcast powered by the state of Louisville podcast network hit the music <laughs> Now at the time of recording this podcast, Louisville is just on the heels of its senior night blowout loss to kind of a middling Virginia Tech team, and I think that the the diehard fans, myself included, I missed three home games this season, which is a lot for me, but for this season I think that I was in uh, the one percentile of fans that actually attended all but two or three games for the season, so pat on the back to myself for surviving that, but I think Many of us, I would say there's maybe 5,000, 6,000 people in the arena, and I mean passionate, loud, uh, just as they always are, but um, we kind of saw the, the writing on the wall that the season is, is ending exactly the way it started, with, with more questions than answers, with, with more heartbreak than, than joy, um, with, with, with more pain than, than growth. Uh, no pun intended. With with all that in mind, when we stood up and walked out, I think that we were kind of walking towards a a new season. At at the time of recording, Louisville does still travel to Virginia on Saturday, and and they will play at least one game. They are officially locked in as the worst seed in the ACC tournament, so they will play a game at 4.30 p.m., approximately 4, 4 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday, opening day of the ACC tournament. In all likelihood, two more losses on the horizon uh, maybe perhaps a third game on Wednesday but that that's probably the extent of what you're going to see from Louisville basketball this season and with that in mind it's time to just start looking looking ahead to to what could be coming in the coming weeks in the coming months will kenny's pain still be here what to expect from him what to expect from the coaching staff there's so much more to get into than to sit here and continue to break down the same old same old that that we have been for the rest of the season so we don't want to get too in depth on ellis's assist to turnover ratio the last week or guarding ball screens and and that sort of stuff We, we we've done that in the past but we won't be tonight, so if you tuned in for ball screen talk, I'm gonna to have to direct you elsewhere because we are going to be discussing the future, what that could hold, and maybe get into some positives and negatives, and maybe that's a good place to start, right? I kind of sat down and you know not to not to jump through too many hoops, but just try to come up with. Any and all positives that immediately popped in my head about this 2022-23 season. I mean, we talk so much negative. Let's get it started with a positive mindset. Here are some positives that, that I feel like Louisville fans can take away from this season. And a, f- a few of these could kind of be the writing on the wall for, for what's to come for this Louisville program. Uh, should Kenny Payne remain the head coach and should we continue uh, going forward as, as we expect? The first major positive for me... Uh, and I think this would be the biggest positive for, for any Louisville basketball fan this season is the offense of L. Ellis. L. Ellis is going to finish the season either the second or third leading scorer in the ACC, currently the third leading scorer, and seventh in assists per game. Uh, we talked a lot about his improvements in conference play, but since the start of 2023, he's, he's averaging 18.1 points and a 4.7 assist to three turnover ratio, which is much better than how he started the season. He's shooting 45% from the field. Uh, he's shooting 33% from three. Again, this is since uh, January 3rd. He's shooting 33% from three, 45% from the field, uh, all while playing 37 minutes per game uh, since the start of 2023. I'd call L. Ellis the best offensive guard in the ACC, and he has the potential to build on that and more in, in, in a more natural role if he comes back in 2023. I, I think right off the bat, L. Ellis, the biggest positive. I, I think another positive uh, – Besides, you know, just a few minor highs uh, during during wins this season. I'd see it say the next big, biggest positive in my mind was the mid year addition of, of Emmanuel Acorafor And again, not a huge deal. It shouldn't be a huge deal when you add a guy who is playing, you know, four or five, ten minutes a game. But Louisville brought in a, a pretty raw center in Manny Acorafor but he immediately made an impact on the team. That ultimately, in my opinion. Uh, led to the cards actually notching some wins. Actually, gave you know gave current rotation guys some competition down low. In my opinion, it was much needed and and more importantly, it was kind of a spark on a team that was just so lackadaisical and complacent and just, I mean, frankly, just just bad. Uh, so the addition of of, of Manny four, in my mind, um, was massive and and could pay dividends down the road because you get a guy in. Who you know could be competing for a starting spot or a uh, serious rotation minutes next season? Uh, should he should he stay on the roster? Uh, and so that's the most important thing to me. Since probably midseason, we were already looking towards 2023 uh, 24, and so with the many many core four in the fold for about a month before he was injured, I thought that that was a great addition and and one positive that you could look back on on this season. Another thing is improved confidence on offense as a whole. We try to look for areas where this coaching staff has has helped this team out. And we really thought it'd be defense, didn't we? I mean, when you look at the size, the length, the athleticism of this team, you feel like the defense should come first. Uh, but it was actually the offense. Uh, the the offense truly gained a lot more confidence, of shooting, stepping into into threes, moving the ball, spacing, being able to post up guys down low, finding different ways to get you know a Mike James, a Kamari Lands, even an L Ellis, uh, kind of you know a, a mismatch down low. Um, I, I thought the offense was not pretty by any means. Don't get me wrong, but it was improved as a whole uh, across the season, and I thought kind of late January, early February kind of peaked at, at what it could have been. And then you had an injury to Brandon Haley Hatfield, an injury to Manny Acorfor, massive discrepancy down low between Louisville and, and the rest of, of the ACC competition. Uh, so with, with that in mind, though, I thought that the improved confidence as a whole on offense was a big deal. Last thing that immediately came to mind for me, and again, this is another offensive thing, but it was Jalen Withers' three-point shooting. And and I know that seems very specific, but this is a guy that he's up from 23% from three-point range last season to 42.6% on the season for Jalen Withers. He's shooting 45% in conference play. Um, And that's with him upping his attempts from 2.2 per game to 3.1 per game uh, this year. Withers also increased his free throw percentage from 68 to 74% uh, while getting to the line twice as much this year as he did last year. So, you know, we we have loved since since the beginning of time, since the beginning of Jalen Withers' career, we've loved to kind of hate on him. As a fan base, I will say. You know, there are plenty of people in his corner, but a lot of people have have loved to place the blame on on Withers and his lack of a development. But I mean, you're seeing right here, Withers, Ellis a core of four. There are some players who have come in and, and or the coaching staff has come in and, and made an immediate impact on some players as a team, completely different story. Uh, but I thought that Jalen Withers looked really solid this year, especially as a spot up shooter. I don't know if I would call this the the negative segment now, you know, to kind of flip it inversely because there was so much negative that happened this year. I mean, let's be honest, guys, this is the worst Louisville basketball team in program history, by far the worst basketball team in any of our lifetimes, unless you're like in your mid to late 80s and you're listening to this right now uh, and, and you remember the teams of the 40s that, that were just absolutely god-awful, but again, <laughs> not even a, even the same kind of sport the last time that Louisville had such a, a lethargic, poor performance across the season. Uh, so one thing that I saw our guys from Louisville Sports Live posted today: What disappointed you the most this basketball season? And it, it's really hard to pinpoint one, but here's what I what, here's what I broke down, uh, just just off off the dome. Here are the things that truly disappointed me this season. Aside from finishing uh, finishing finishing the season, probably four and twenty eight. Um, I'd say it's a tie between a lack of identity on either end of the floor. Um, so Louisville just. I mean, when, when you look a- across the construct of this roster, when you look at, at what it appears that this team is trying to accomplish, you don't really know. Uh, you don't get a straight answer from the coaching staff, really. Kenny Payne has been adamant that they just want guys who try hard and who understand what Louisville basketball is and what it means to put on that uniform. And, and I get all of that, but, but what are you trying to accomplish? Excuse my dog. What are you trying to accomplish as a team on both ends of the floor? What are you running on defense? Do the players know? I mean, we, we talked about, you know, I told you I'm not going to get into the intricacies of, of guarding a ball screen, but uh, that's a pretty simple concept that you learn as, as an elementary and, and middle school player that you should have ingrained in you communication on ball screens. Should you go over? Should you go under? Should you switch? Should you stay with your guy? You know, pretty, pretty uh, uh, standard things here. Um, we don't even know what we're doing on, on, on those type of things. Uh, can, can, can you box out? When you're on the on the defensive end, uh, if, if another player wanted the ball, they were going to go get it, and there was very little that Louisville was going to do to stop that. What what the hell was Louisville doing doing on offense? Oftentimes, the team didn't know. Did the coaching staff know? Again, we can get into that over the course of, of the of the coming months, but really just a lack of identity completely. What are you trying to run on offense? And what are you trying to run on defense? What are you trying to accomplish? I know that sometimes when certain sets would come in, you know, uh, for instance, when the walk-on guards would come in, Louisville would often pick up a three-quarter court press. But it wasn't really a press in in a sense that you would think of a press, right? Uh, When you think of a press, you think of two guys – uh, you know, pressuring the ball. I mean, which is essentially what what a press is, right? They're they they are getting up uh, into a guy, uh, trying to force the ball out of his hands, force them into areas of the floor that are not advantageous to running offense. Uh, Louisville didn't do that. Louisville would kind of do this like sagging off press, where a guy could essentially just pass over the guys coming to quote unquote press, and just getting it to another open man, which would just lead to an unbalanced defense. It, re- it really made no sense. Why are you pressing if you're not truly applying pressure? I, I never really understood that. How often, I mean, Louisville statistically, you know, I, I actually don't have these statistics in front of me, but the, they are literally the worst ball screen defense team in, in the country. And it, it actually blew my mind a few times this year uh, when you saw like a Georgia Tech just like not running screens. Like what the hell, are, do you watch tape? Like, all you got to do is put put Louisville in a, in, in a screen, uh, and, and two out of three times you're going to score on, on that possession. It, it's, it actually kind of blew my mind when teams didn't pick up on that. Um, Louisville was the worst ball screen de- defense I've ever seen. Mind-bogglingly bad. And, that, again, that all goes back to what what is your identity? What are you trying to do? Where are you trying to force the ball on defense? What are you trying to do on offense? Are you trying to post up a big man? Are you trying to – like a lot of these sets, you know, you would see uh, – somebody come up to set a screen for L. Ellis and L. Ellis doesn't go anywhere near where the screen is uh, or you send two screeners. So you send say it's uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield and, and J.J. Trainer come sprinting up or I guess really jogging up to set a screen on one one player and Ellis doesn't drive towards the rim but instead just passes the ball uh, and really that does nothing. You're not making a defense reverse. You're not making a defense get uncomfortable. Uh, it, it really just it, it, again just lack of identity on the floor. Um, no in-game adjustments. And again, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with your identity, right? Um, when teams are taking advantage of you, going on runs, what are you doing to stop the bleeding? You know, as as coaches on the sideline, Kenny Payne, Nolan Smith, Danny Manning, who, whoever is responsible for for making adjustments on the sideline, if they are making adjustments, the the players are just refusing to listen because they're, you're not seeing anything change. Maybe from time to time you'll see Louisville in a man, and then and then they'll come out of a timeout and, you know, have, again, that kind of half assed press. Uh, maybe it'll be in a 2-3 zone, but you're not seeing them come out and run a bunch of sets. So many times this season, you saw them come out of a timeout and turn the ball over, step out of bounds, have a shot clock violation, and it's like... What what are we talking about in the huddle? Like, are we just having like again? Is it just the same things that we're hearing in press conferences? Like, what what, what are we what are we doing as far as X's X's and O's? Like, what kind of plays are we running? There there is zero identity and zero knowledge of, of what we're doing. Um, and anyone who kind of has, has, even has a casual knowledge of the game of basketball. Uh, can look and say, okay, this is the the sort of defense that they're running. Uh, this is what they're trying to accomplish on offense. You could look at any power five team and see that you cannot with Louisville this season. To me, that that is kind of perplexing. Regression instead of moving or instead of improvement from most of the key players. Again, we talked already already about the players that we thought improved, but a lot of other players. You know, for instance, you know, I was not super impressed with Brandon Huntley Hatfield this season for the majority of the season. Now, right before his injury, he was kind of coming on. Seemed like he was kind of picking up on on what the staff wanted him to do. Uh, But this is a guy that was a five-star player, uh, was a really solid role player who started the final eight or ten games for Tennessee last season. A guy that should have come in and been an instant impact guy right away and just simply didn't get it. Sidney Curry, kind of a different story with Sidney Curry. We'll get into that in a second. To me, uh, Sidney Curry really felt like a guy who just had a lot going on in his personal life this year. It kind of goes back to the offseason. Because Louisville didn't recruit anybody to kind of come in and and compete with Sidney Curry down low, uh, there's really no options behind Sidney Curry for the majority of the season. So you're kind of forced to play a guy who, I mean, it's very clear when if you go, just go back and, and watch games on the back half of last season, go back and watch games with the Bahamas, go back and watch Sidney Curry against against North Carolina North Carolina State last year, Duke. Uh, this is a guy. This is a guy that was had potential. Uh, to, to be an all ACC caliber player this season based on the trajectory he was on last season, but he was also just a different person. You know, I, I could wax poetic about who Cindy Curry was as a person, especially last season. This year, completely different guy. And I don't think that necessarily has to do with the coaching staff. It feels like there's something going on. Uh, and and th- again, this is just human nature. This is the the humanization of the sport that nobody... None of us want to get into that, right? None of us want to think that, you know, Sidney Curry broke up with his girlfriend and he just doesn't know... How, this is his first heartbreak. He doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't care about basket, basketball anymore, his lost interests. And I'm not saying that, that that's what has happened, what has transpired. But I'm saying you can look in his eyes and see that he's not the same man that he was last year. Whatever's going on with Sidney, I, I hope that things improve. But, but again it's kind of uh, an indictment on on the coaching staff, the evaluation of the players, that Louisville just had Sidney Curry coming back this season, and then Roosevelt Wheeler behind him. You bring in Brandon Holly Hatfield, but again, that's more of a a combo four and five. uh, And then really... Had nothing outside of that. Louisville rolled with that. Eventually, brought in Manny Acora but again, that's a project player. That's not really a guy that you know, a, a guy that's going to come in and be an instant impact guy, right? That's a guy that maybe will bring some energy off the bench, but ultimately, there there was no development behind him. There was no nobody coming in behind him. Uh, again, you didn't see the development necessarily of of a JJ trainer that you wanted to see. Mike James on and off again maybe yeah, and the, it just there's there, there there was just a serious lack of development again that goes with the understanding of I mean it could just be a, a basic understanding of of plays of of philosophies of what we're trying to accomplish as a team it's just just truly it, it is baffling though it, a lot of these players that that were returning or were coming in as freshmen like a Kamari Lands You know, we expected them to be instant contributors and guys who could be, you know, compete night in and night out in the ACC. And that was simply not the case. Uh, And so, again, that's an indictment on the coaching staff. uh, That's on the players as well. But ultimately, you want to see development. And and there, there was just nothing that you can hang your hat on outside of. Uh, as i pointed out many times, LL has started out the season not looking like a point guard and finished the season looking like the leader of this team and a point guard. And again, I I, I go back to uh, Manny Okorafor coming in and kind of picking up the ropes right away. And and I point to Jalen Withers, greatly improving as a shooter and at times as as an overall playmaker. Outside of that, though, a lot of regression, a complete absence of defensive intensity. This this is something that just. Just irks me. And I'm, I'm sure it does the coaching staff as well. But again, it's their job to figure out how to motivate guys. The defense all year was terrible. And in the Kempom rankings, the worst the Louisville's ever been by far. And perhaps the worst of Power five teams ever been. They are by far the worst team on defense in the ACC. Like I said, by all metrics, the worst ball screen defense in all of college basketball. It's just been trouble. All season, ball screen defense was another thing that I mentioned. And, and defensive rebounding, I mean, it's just nauseating, nauseating. And again, a lot of it's just a, a lack of awareness, a lack of of just trying. Like, it, it's truly just, it feels like the other teams wanted it more. And that's troublesome. That's, if you watch the games, you understand this. You know, you don't have to be reminded of this over and over again. But it, it, it's incredibly troubling not only just, just troubling, but it's it's also – it gives you no hope for the future. When you when you look at it, this team and just how bad they were on defense, It's it just absolutely blows your mind um, at how incompetent and inept they were and how consistently bad they were. There was never a time where they improved. There was never a time where they really mixed things up enough where you thought that maybe, hey, they're starting to get things turned around on defense. Now, on offense, again, like we talked about – When they did win games, it was because they scored a lot of points and the other team um, was just not able to keep up, which is, I mean, that's a great thing to say, but that only happened four times, you know? And so their identity as a team, when opponents were facing them this season, they knew they could come in and score at will, and they did. Overall, there were so many things that led to this being the worst team in program history, the worst team that we've seen in our lifetimes, Uh, one of the worst power five, power six teams in the last decade. Uh, There were a lot of things that led to that, but I think if you just had average defensive intensity and effort and just a basic knowledge of of what you're trying to do on defense, I think this is a team that wins 8, 10 games, which isn't that impressive, but that's four, five, six more games than, than what they are going to end up winning this season. That right there in and of itself is a problem. That's an indictment of the players. That's an indictment of the coaches. That is their legacy. That's embarrassing. That's not okay. It's not acceptable. And moving forward, that's going to be my lasting impression of this team. It's just how bad they were on defense. And it's going to be my concern the entire offseason. No matter what they do with this roster, I'm going to be concerned about this defense. Enough about the present, however, because there is maybe a tinge of excitement on, on the horizon. And I want to get into that just a little bit. Uh, and so what I wanted to provide for you guys is basically just a breakdown of the, of the existing roster and who, you know, who I think that should stay, who would continue to be a good fit, who I'd like to, to see more from, and who I should think should go uh, before 2023-24. So this is just an honest, no-holds-barred attempt at an unbiased view of the existing roster. Let, let's just see where we stand at the end of this. When analyzing this roster, I think it's best to start with the bigs because, to me, I think it's the most cut and dry, the least controversial opinions that I have. Ma- Emmanuel for Manny, uh, 100% hope that he stays. Uh, I think he embodies, more than anybody on this team, which isn't saying a lot, honestly, uh, he embodies what it means to be a Louisville basketball player. He he kind of soaks things up like a sponge. The coaching staff's already talked about this. He brings just this this incredible intensity, energy, just effort, overall effort on the floor, like to a point where it's actually funny to watch For from the rest of the team. Like, I get what Kenny Payne was saying now. It, it, it's kind of funny. It is. I think he could develop into a solid player under Payne. I, I don't see him becoming a starter at any point. If Louisville brings in some of the players that, that we hope that they, that they do, the caliber of players, I, I don't think that, that he'll start, but I, I think he will stay. And I think I, I truly hope that he stays. Next is Brandon Holly Hatfield. Uh, this is the one big that I'm pretty indifferent about. I see potential in him as, as a 6th or 7th man, but I think he needs a more defined role in, in KP's system. I just don't I, I don't see where He fit what his role was supposed to be at the beginning of the season. He was kind of more of a perimeter oriented player, started to become more of a, you know, back to the basket kind of guy uh, as the season went on. But again, I would like to see him have more of a defined role on this team. If he stays, I think this is a guy with a lot of potential. If he leaves, I don't think it's going to hurt us, hurt Louisville one way or another. Maybe the most, the person I'm the most indifferent about. Uh, Sydney Curry, I think his time's up at Louisville. I do. And I don't think that has anything to do with his relationship with the team, with his ability going forward, uh, with the fact that he's already graduated. I don't think it has, has anything to do with that. I think that he he has just reached his expiration date with Louisville. And I think it's, it's just time to part ways. I think that that seems pretty apparent. There have been times where we saw flashes of what he was last season, but they have been too few and too far between. Uh, and I just think that he's kind of lost his light. I think that maybe he can go find his, you know, re his identity somewhere else. I just don't feel like it's immovable Uh Roosevelt Wheeler, I'd honestly prefer that Roosevelt Wheeler leaves. I would. I think he's taking up a scholarship spot. I think he's a guy that doesn't really care that much about basketball. I think he's a guy with a low basketball IQ. I think he's a guy with all the tools in the world. I see why Virginia was after him like crazy coming out of high school. I see, I, I see potential in him still but I just don't see him as a fit with Louisville anymore. I would prefer that he leaves. I think that he would prefer that he leaves. I think the staff would prefer he leaves. There's a reason why Sidney Curry, again, I don't know what's going on with Sidney Curry, but, but just my gut feeling, my hunch is that there's just, he's not mentally, he's having mental health issues. Something's going on. A guy like Sidney Curry, Had to play over Roosevelt Wheeler when Manny Acorafor was hurt, when Brandon Holly Hatfield was hurt. Sidney Curry still played. That should tell you all that you need to know about Roosevelt Wheeler, what the staff thinks about him, uh, and how he's performing in practice. Jalen Withers, I've kind of waffled on this one a little bit over the season, but I'd personally like to see him back. I'm not sure what the odds are, but he is one of a few players that has kind of carved out an actual role on this team. He has an identity offensively and defensively. I'd I'd simply prefer that Louisville ran more sets that were conducive to his skill set, uh, similar to a Brandon Holly Hatfield, but even even more so for Withers because he actually has an identity finally on this team. He he's not a ball handler. Uh, I think that Kenny Payne and the staff has kind of gotten that th- into his head a little bit over the last few games. He's kind of regressed again and and gone back to being a player who I just don't think that he that who I just think he's not he's probably the worst ball handler on the team to be honest with you but he, he seems to want to play like a versatile wing at times rather than what he is which is a spot up shooter a, a, a solid rebounder above average finisher in the post uh, Jalen Withers has a lot of game. He has a lot of potential, a lot of ability. Defensively, he's not always great, but there wasn't a single good defender on this team in 2023. And for, for that reason, I'd like to see Withers come back. He's been through a lot this year. He's been through a lot in his career, to be honest. And I'd, I'd, I'd personally love to give him a chance to finish ca- his ca- his career the right way. I think this is the kind of person that can be a foundational piece for Kenny Payne, even if, you know, I think the staff, and we'll get into this in, in, in a bit, but I think the staff's overall goal uh, should be to go out and find five new starters, find five guys that, you know, it's going to take a Jalen Withers, uh, you know, a Brandon Holly Hatfield, a, Hell, even if is comes back, it's going to take those guys uh, competing for their position. That's what you should want. That's the t- kind of turnover that you should have. That's the those are the kind of guys that you should bring in. But personally, I'd like to for Jalen Withers to continue to to be a part of this team because I think that he brings a lot more than people want to give him recognition for. JJ Trainer, uh, sentimentally, I want to keep Trainer. He's improved year over year. This is his third season, uh, just like Withers, but. He's a a true junior, whereas Withers is a is a redshirt junior. He's truly been a joy to watch at times. Uh, he leads the team in dunks by quite a bit. And when he wants to be, he's one of the better players on this team. I've, I've loved his tenacity and aggressiveness around the basket at times. But at the same time, he's also inconsistent. He gets lost on defense. He doesn't get active enough on the boards for stretches. And he struggled throughout his career to keep on weight, which I think that has been a consistent issue across the board at his position because of his size and because of his game. And as he's growing his career, I I feel serious kind of Jared Swapshire vibes from trainer. And that's okay if that's what he is. But ultimately in my gut, I I just think that he's ready to find a new home. I think he's ready to get out out of Louisville, out of Kentucky for a little bit. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I want to see Trainer and Withers together for one more year. Uh, I think these could be two guys that are contributors, and I'd like to see them carve out m- even more defined roles than what they have now. But I think, it's, uh, I think it's more likely that J.J. leaves than not at this point. I know that's, my, that's probably – I'm probably in the minority in, on this. I think a lot of people think that J.J. is going to stay. I personally feel that there's a better chance that he goes than stays. Just a gut feeling. But sentimentally, I'd like to keep him chumpacasito.com no purchase necessary void We're prohibited by law 18 plus. terms and conditions apply see website for details moving more towards the wings and the guards so let's talk about kamari lands this is the other guy that i kind of just feel indifferent about he's kind of kind of finally found his footing uh, in his true freshman season on the offensive end uh, i think he's the best all-around shooter on the team when he gets hot i mean he has quite a few games this season where he's gone three for three for four for four five for seven i mean you know it, that that's pretty hard to beat uh, i think he creates his own shot away from the basket better than anyone on the team obviously L. ellis is a magician around the rim but outside of kamari lands i think he's the best at, at or excuse me outside of L. ellis i think that he's the best uh shot creator on the team um, he turns the ball over less than anyone else on the team. Uh, and I think that he does have the potential, whether it's at Louisville or somewhere else, to be special. Uh, I also think that he's really, really bad on the defensive end still. Uh, I think for a 6'8 for forward on a Power 5 team who plays, uh, he plays 21 minutes a game, that grabbing two rebounds per game is, that's inexcusable. That Two rebounds per game and 21 minutes per game at 6'8", that, that's inexcusable. We have enough sample size now to know that Lance is, he's simply a bad defender and he's a bad rebounder right now. He just is. I think that he's incredibly talented, but I'm just so mad on him returning for his own sake. I hope he sees what else is out there. And if the coaching staff, you know, they're the ones who know his personality, then they know who he is as a person. They know how he's doing in the classroom. They know what, what he brings to the table. They see him every day in practice. They see him in training. They know what, what he provides for this team. If they think he should stay, I think he should stay. But ultimately, I'm, I'm indifferent on, on Land staying. I do think that he could be like a quote-unquote one that got away because he could go to like a UConn or go to like a, I don't know, UCLA or something and just ball out and fans are going to have FOMO about Kamari lands I think that's the type of player that he is. Um, if he stays, great. But I think that if he stays, it's because the coaching staff has had a good sales pitch to, to stay and, and have him stay and carve out a role on this team. Uh, but again, kind of indifferent because of his just willing, he's he's not a good distributor of the ball, not a good passer, not a, not a good rebounder at all. A bad defender at this point, but he does have talent on offense. And I think that he could situationally bring a lot to the table for this team. Mike James, please stay, Mike James. I would really like for you to stay, but... Please improve on defense. Uh, as bad as Kamari Lands is on defense, I think My James might be worse. And I don't think I don't think it's an insane request to have to ask somebody to improve on defense. I think every player on this team has to improve on defense if they're coming back. In a very similar vein to Lands, James is just a really poor defender, really poor rebounder. He started every game this season. He's 6'6", 200-plus pounds, but he barely grabs three re- rebounds per game. And so, again, you know, I don't want to group James and Lance in together, but James is a redshirt freshman. Kamari Lance is a true freshman. Uh, and, and combined, they're responsible for about 26.5%, 27% of the total minutes on this team. So they played a quarter, more than a quarter of this team's minutes and yet combined they average five rebounds on the season. That's insane, especially because it's not Peyton Seva and Russ Smith out there, man. They're 6'6", 6'8", and both over 200 pounds. They should be grabbing more boards, period. I want James to stay because because I love his energy. I love his effort. I love his shooting prowess. I love how he has that kind of bulldog mentality, especially when he's playing well. He's shooting 34% from beyond the beyond the arc this season. 34% is pretty solid in a freshman season coming off a terrible injury. Uh, and he's really turned into a great finisher and attacker around the rim. I think he's starting to find his identity on offense. I think if he stays, he needs to know that he will have to be competing for minutes next year because... He's playing 31, 32 minutes a game this season. He won't be starting every game in the backcourt unless he significantly improves his ability to defend and his ability to rebound. There, There is literally no other option than for him to play 31 minutes a game this year, right? But I want him to stay and continue to develop, but he has to drastically improve certain aspects of his game if he wants to play anywhere close to the minutes that he's gotten in his redshirt freshman season. Now, I said I wouldn't get sentimental, but I I, I might have to with L. Ellis, I might metaphorically get on my knees and beg for Ellis to stay one more year. He, he was excellent as more of a role player, obviously in his first season uh, and kind of blossomed to a starter, his first season a little But Now he's become one of the best guards in the ACC. Uh, and I, we all know this. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not news to anybody, but my concern is his poor defensive play and, and sometimes erratic decision making on the, on the offensive end. Uh, I think the latter of those two issues has kind of corrected itself and shown to be one of the lone areas again you know we kind of talked about this one of the lone areas where the coaching staff clearly helped develop a member of this team there's a clear difference in who lls was the first game of the season against bellerman uh to, to the end of the season absolutely uh my hope is that the other issue his defense or really his lack thereof on defense because it, it can be bad at times i hope that's a result of over usage um so i Crunch the numbers. L. Ellis has played 1,077 minutes out of 1,200 possible minutes so far for Louisville this year. And that includes 28 minutes against Pitt and 28 minutes against Miami, 31 minutes against Arkansas. And that's still high volume usage, but I'm saying, you know, he only played, you know, three quarters of the game quite a few times this season. And he still has played 1,077 out of 1,200 possible minutes. Like he is a high, high usage player. Uh, He plays every possible second that the staff can have him in, meaning that he can't get any breathers. And he also he's just not fouling like this dude does not foul at all. Like as an opposing player, it's, it's probably pretty sweet just trying to take take a player off the bounce who hardly ever fouls. I mean, Ellis has only gotten gotten to the four foul mark twice. Uh, this season and both were in close games against Wake Forest and Boston College but I mean like just go going back and looking a mind-boggling stat for a guy who has played 38 minutes per game over this stretch he's been whistled for 9 fouls in the last 6 games 9 total like he's barely fouling once per game that's not good for your for, for your starting point guard you know, I understand why he, ha- he has to stay in the game there's no other option like I mean I understand you know Hersey Miller but You know, Maybe Fabio Basilli, but it's like, I mean, come on, there's a steep drop-off when LLS is in the game. Nine fouls for the last six games, that was crazy. Uh, So it'd be interesting to to see what he can bring to the table. I think from the beginning of the season, we knew that there were some serious issues with this little roster, namely the construction and not being conducive for quality guard play. And and I wanted to read you all something that that I wrote uh, back in June about this roster because I was beginning to become concerned about Who's gonna be on this team uh, I, I you know I've talked about this a few times but I remember I was listening to the to the radio and, and Steve rummage the co-host of middays with Marcus mabin you know he he kind of jokingly said you know Marcus look we're not we're, we're not gonna construct a roster uh, and just get to the first game of the season and go oh well we forgot guards but that's literally what they did they, they made a team without guards I don't know I don't know why they did it I don't know like it's Still, to this day, blows my mind. But here's what I wrote back in June, just so that we can kind of reminisce it. You know, this is something we pointed out at the beginning of the season, hoping that the staff just kind of knew what they were doing, but really being like, what the hell is going on? Here's what I wrote. Outside of Basilian and Ellis, which this was right before Louisville officially landed Fabio Basile. We didn't know what his role would be. Fabio Basile ended up coming in in like August or September. So again, outside of Basile and Ellis, Louisville is still seriously lacking at the guard position with three scholarships left to use. As Louisville basketball supporters, we should be worried that there's quite literally no one else even out there on the horizon. But we should also question what else is going on inside the program. I went on to talk about NCAA sanctions, which came down right before the season started. Might Louisville staffers have been made privy to some of the potential sanctions and gone ahead and held back a couple of scholarships heading into the season? I wouldn't rule it out. And go, you know, going back, that's it's kind of unclear exactly what happened, but it sounds like that's that could be kind of part of it. Uh, Louisville didn't know what was going to happen, so they didn't want to give a fake pitch. Essentially, uh, even still, if you're the Louisville basketball staff, that does not answer the question of why some roster moves were made since Payne's arrival. Former guards Noah Locke, who transferred to Providence and has had a great season at Providence, and Dre Davis, who has had a solid season at Seton Hall, were encouraged to look elsewhere. Davis's brother Tay, also a Louisville signee, ended up at Seton Hall as well. Most recently, Louisville cooled the jets on the recruitments of Iowa State guard transfer Tyrese Hunter and Memphis transfer Imani Bates. Both have gone on, by the way, to have great, great, uh seasons at Eastern Michigan and Texas. Uh perhaps Basili is a diamond in Basili is a diamond in the rough. Uh kinda remains to be seen, but not really. Perhaps James, Ree, and Lands can fill in more than adequately at the guard positions. They couldn't, by the way. But it seems at this point some things are going on around the program that outsiders are not in the know about, which I guess could still be the case. I don't know. At this juncture, I think it's fair to at least question what the heck is actually going on because no fan wants us to feel like a quote-unquote throwaway season. And guess what, folks? That's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what it was. It was more than a throwaway season. It was atrocious. It was abysmal. We knew before the season how this would go, and that's exactly how it went. Louisville basketball literally had no guards and filled out its rotation with much of its team just kind of playing out of position. Quickly going over the rest of the roster that we haven't discussed yet, uh, Fabio Basili, I think he's gone, and I don't mind Fabio leaving, to be honest. Uh, it's been apparent since day one that Basili is not doing what's asked of him off the court. Uh, he was even sidelined for a few games for this exact reason. The assumption is that Basili doesn't put enough emphasis on taking care of the school part of being a student athlete, which is there's is zero excuse for. Given the resources, uh, the resources that are laid out for for little basketball players, I mean, dude, come on, like I, I was a Division three athlete, like. Nobody, you know, was, like, people were just asking every once in a while, how are your grades? You better be passing your classes. There weren't tutors, and there weren't academic centers of excellence, and there weren't, you know, these, these gimme classes that you can take, especially as a freshman in high school. Like, Fabio Basili should not be failing classes. He should, you know, yeah. not not be showing up to classes. That's ridiculous. Like, he seems like a guy with, with some talent, but, I mean, like, he's not, or Fabio Basile is not Imani Bates, you know. Fabio Basili is not a... You know, a a Russ Smith or a Montrez Harrell. I don't know, just going back and naming former Louisville stars. He's not not that. Like, you got to come in and and you got to take care of business. You got to go to class. You got to pass classes. And it sounds like he's not doing that. That's why he hasn't seen the floor. Frankly, couldn't care if he leaves or not. Um, Devin Ree kind of a similar position to, to Basilia. Uh, Payne said numerous times that certain players don't play because of their inability to do, do the right things away from games and away from practice. And I think Rhee has a ton of talent. I think he has a ton of potential. I mean, look at him. He's 6'8", you 6'9", know, a lanky frame, excellent shooter. But if you can't see the floor this season, there's probably no reason to stick around going forward. Let's be honest. I could not care less if Re and Basilia leave. At this point, they're just kind of just taking up a scholarship. Percy Miller, same way. Uh, finals, he's the final scholarship player kind of uh, taking up a roster spot right now. And I'm indifferent about his decision, but would personally prefer that he does remain at Louisville. I, I just don't want him to continue to use a scholarship spot. Uh, and if Louisville can add another guard using his scholarship spot and keep Miller around as a walk-on, uh, I'd love that move. He did give some, he him some nice minutes this year. He did. But kind of in a more of a walk-on position, you know, not in a scholarship guard position. I'd love to kind of see him fill that David Levitch, Elijah Justice, uh, Tim Henderson type of role. I mean, let, let's let's be honest here. You know, Hersey Miller is what he is. You're not winning national championships with Hersey Miller. You're not making the tournament with Hersey Miller. You're going to win four games if Hersey Miller is your only other guard, right? I mean, let's be honest. That's how it is. So that kind of wraps up the, the scholarship situation. Uh, we have three or four guys that I'm, you know, I, I said I'd try to, you know, be kind of cutthroat about this, but I, I feel indifferent. And when I say I feel indifferent, like if they come back, I feel like that's because the staff evaluated that situation and said, okay, I see you every day at practice. I see who you are on and off the floor. I see what you can provide for this team. We believe in you. Let's keep going forward together. If they're if they're feeling that way, then I'm fine with that. But I feel like when you look at a uh, Kamari Lenz, when you look at, uh, you know, a, a Devin Ree, a Fabio Basile, a Hersey Miller, you know, when you look at a Brandon Holly Hatfield even, like I feel like some of these players you just look at and you're like, yeah. And then I think you look at Sidney Curry and you say, sorry, man. When you look at a Roosevelt Wheeler and you say, dude, see ya. Like, seriously. And I, I think that there's some guys that I'd really like to stay. Uh, as a recap, I'd really, really like Ellis to stay. I'd appreciate it if Mike James could stay, Jalen Withers and J.J. Trainer, and then Manny for. Everybody else, you know, I think Louisville should try to keep five, six, maybe seven guys. And I think that the, you know, the, the remainder of the 13 scholarships should be used up by guys giving them a, a new opportunity. And let's get into who Louisville is bringing in next year kind of add that into the equation as well so next season the kind of the foundational piece of this class right now is caleb glenn we've talked about him a little bit but uh, he used to be a male high school product shout out bulldogs Uh, class 2011 this guy's class of 23 caleb glenn he's been committed for quite a while transferred from mail last year to la lumiere which is kind of a, a high school basketball powerhouse and they have been really really solid with caleb glenn in the fold this year this is a guy who he kind of has a game that's in a similar vein to mike james but i feel like this is a guy that's more of a heady defender and rebounder than a mike james like, again, you know, when, when we talk about Mike James, my, my concern about him is that he can be a bully in the post. He can be a guy who can drive and finish around the rim. He can be a, a high-volume, high-percentage three-point shooter. He can be all of those things, but he's a terrible defender, and he's a terrible rebounder. I think that Caleb Glenn brings both of those to the table. I think that he could be a guy that comes in, competes right away at the same position as Mike James, and if he stays, the same position as Kamari Lands. Now, Louisville is also bringing in another kind of forward guard type of guy, another 6'6", 200, 210-pound guy in Curtis Williams Jr., Uh, extremely versatile forward. I think this is a guy that plays more like a 3 than a 2. This is a guy who, even if you want to play some small ball, could slide into that four position. And he's a guy who can who can defend the the, the two through four. So I'm very interested in, in Williams's versatility. If you look at 247 Sports, Caleb Glenn's ranked the 67th player in the nation. Curtis Williams Jr. is ranked the 69th player in the nation, which is very nice at their position. They're the 14th and 15th best players in the country. Uh, so I think that that'll be fascinating to watch next season, right? Two guys that it feels like they have pretty similar games, pretty solid developing shooters, good rebounders, uh, quality defenders, guys who can get to the basket, who can kind of play that bully ball style like a Mike James, like a Dre Davis. Finally coming in, the other guy that's committed in this class uh, is Karan Davis, who is an interesting prospect, a guy who we know very little about, honestly. Uh, which is concerning, in my opinion. If Louisville's going to go after a Juco prospect, I would hope that it's like an LLs, that's a high-level player, that it's a guy who is reputable, that's that's recruited by a who's who of teams. I want Kansas to be going after the guys that signed with Louisville. I want North Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA. I want those schools going after, after Louisville's recruits. Karan Davis pretty much has no offers outside of Louisville. kind of committed to Louisville out of nowhere. He is a six foot seven guard. He is a guy who has a lot of potential, I think, but it's another guy who, when you look at his tape, you know, I've watched kind of limited highlights and a a few games here and there, try to get a feel of of who he is. Not exactly a, a bulldog defender, not exactly a guy who is like a major distributor. This is another kind of scoring guard in the vein of like an LLs. I would say – now, now I compare him to an LLS because we're talking about Juco guards. If I had to compare him to a former Louisville guard, which I know some people don't like the comparisons, but if you're trying to get an idea, a picture in your head of, of what his stature is like and who he kind of handles the ball like and, and who he shoots like, who he, who he uh, his, his game is reminiscent of, I would say more of a David Johnson. A guy who, he's definitely a guard, he's definitely a ball handler, and he can kind of see over the defense a little bit better than your average guard. He's a decent passer, but I wouldn't consider him like, you know, a point guard. I would consider him more in the vein, again, of like a two guard. I wouldn't call him a true point by any means. Shot 37% from three this season, 26 points a game shooting about 49 50 percent from the field but this is a guy that it's like this is what we're bringing in that's kind of my concern with Karan davis uh now i know that he's a little bit taller than caleb glenn and curtis williams but he's he's definitely more in the vein of like a lanky guard slasher ball handler kind of kind of like a kevin ware again kind of like a like a david johnson so Really, the most the the biggest unknown on this roster for next season, but he's the third member of this 2023 class. Now, to the player that everyone has been talking about over the last I don't know seven to ten days, and that is former Minnesota signee Dennis Evans. Now, this this is a guy that once he's officially out of out of his national letter of intent, uh, this is a guy that's going to be the best player on the market. And it's a guy that, that multiple experts have already come out and said, this is a guy that's a lock to Louisville. Now, that gives Louisville fans some PTSD because we experienced that with multiple players this offseason, right? Where, uh, you know, people said, okay, oh, this is a, a top-tier five-star player, which Dennis Evans is. And, you know, we said, oh, he's he's a lock to Louisville, this guy. He's a can't-miss prospect, and, and, and the staff is not going to miss. They're going to land him 100%. Everything's lined up. NIL is great. Everything's awesome. It's, it's going to work out for, for this guy, and it just didn't. Uh, there was this, this past offseason was flop after flop after flop. During this season, recruiting, especially namely with legacy recruit DJ Wagner, the number one player in this class, uh, ultimately spurned Louisville for Kentucky, even though his grandpa is on Louisville staff. Uh, so, yeah, I understand why people feel like they they it's they want to see it before they believe it. They want to see him in a Louisville jersey before they say, okay, Dennis Evans is a card. I get it. But there is great reason to believe that Dennis Evans will ultimately be a card uh, in 2023-24. It sounds like this is a relationship that's been developed over time and that some good things are in the works. I think that Kenny Payne and staff have finally kind of come to the dark side and decided to work out an NIL agreement. And again, I I know that it's not the staff necessarily, but they've been more receptive to it, uh, if that makes sense. I know that that things are complicated and that doesn't exactly work like that. But regardless, it sounds like the opportunities are there for Dennis Evans to make money off his name, image, and likeness. And this is a guy who has a very memorable image and likeness. Uh, and dennis evans this is a seven foot one uh seven foot seven seven foot eight wingspan nine foot seven nine foot eight standing reach type of player this would be the biggest player in college basketball he would have the fourth or fifth longest wingspan in the nba right now dennis evans is a massive specimen uh he's a funny looking dude he's got he wears goggles while he plays He's long. He's lanky. He's athletic as hell. Uh, this is a guy that's that's seven one, and he can kind of do what Jalen Withers thinks that he can do, which is kind of put the ball on the floor, get to the basket, have some post moves. Uh, this is a guy who is probably a one and done type of prospect. Uh, if. if if you're a Louisville fan and you f- and you believe in uh, you know Trevor Andershock of Two Four Seven, who called it 100% lock. You believe Ty Spalding, our buddy Rivals.com, uh, who put in a, a a prediction and felt really strongly that that uh, that Evans would ultimately end up at Louisville. If you believe some of these experts, look, this is a guy that. That it sounds like if everything works out the way it's supposed to, we'll be in a Louisville uniform next year and would be an immediate game changer and potential centerpiece uh, for this class uh, when things are said and done. Oftentimes it takes one player to kind of latch on for other players to start believing. Uh, Louisville has that. "Quote unquote, dark cloud kind of is gone. There's no excuses this offseason season. There's nothing holding them back, with the exception of uh, they can't make uh, some sort of recruiting video, essentially that that has the players' uh, image and likeness on it. Outside of that, it's fair game. Louisville can reach out to whatever recruits that they want within, obviously within the typical guidelines. Uh, they have the maximum number of scholarships." No postseason ban, no financial restrictions. This is a full green light in this offseason, and the staff has to connect on some of these swings. It was all swings and misses, all strikeouts last season. And this season, it has to be all home runs. There are zero excuses this year. This was, you know, we knew that 2022-23 was going to be a struggle of a year. Nobody, including the coaching staff and the players, could have anticipated it going this poorly. Uh, however, this was was the staff's chance, and, and now uh, this coming year is is their final chance. Uh, if if they don't succeed, if they don't get to the NCAA tournament, there won't be a third year. Um, I, I can almost guarantee you that, uh, just based on fan reaction, based on on you know the way that Kenny Payne's contract set up, based on the way that that the that the ball is rolling right now, I I, I can't imagine there being a third season if they don't turn things around now. Now we talked about Dennis Evans. Can't miss prospect, five-star guy, a guy who will come in and, and probably start right away for Louisville uh, should everything work out the way that it's supposed to. Another guy that we really have just not talked about that it's been rumored for, for months now that, that he has been a silent commit to Louisville uh, is a teammate of Uh, of current Louisville player, or I should say was a teammate of current Louisville player Manny Akorafor, and that's Churchill Abbas, which first of all, Abbas, Abis, I'm not sure, and second of all, what a badass name uh, to play for Louisville with the the Churchill reference, Uh, that's just NIL right there uh, waiting to happen. But let me read you this assessment from Travis Branham, who is the National Basketball Analyst for 247 Sports, and you tell me who this reminds you of, Okay. He looks like a Big Ten football player, but has plenty of game on the court and, have, and certainly elevated his stock uh, when he played for the NBA Africa Academy. He kept things very lively on the sidelines. as coaches and fans were left in awe of his athleticism for his size and the endless motor he played with. This is a guy that came into the NBA Africa at 6'7". He's grown a 6'9 or 6'10". He's about 250, 260 pounds. To me, this reminds me of Montrez Harrell, a guy who was kind of just completely off the radar, if you remember, Montrose Harrell was was committed to Virginia Tech. Uh, ultimately, ended up backing out, committing to Rick Bettino, and then it was an instant impact guy for Louisville. Obviously, was had a major fingerprints all over that uh, 2013 national championship team. Uh, he's a legend here in Louisville, uh, and and that that's exactly how I would describe him: a guy with an endless motor, uh, who can jump out of the building, who just has freakish athleticism for his size. Churchill is listed as a center. Um, I think this is a guy that would play either the four or the five for Kenny Payne. But I mean, look, if you go from having a front court um, that we kind of talked about where I felt indifferent about most of the players, um, on this team in the front court this season. Uh, so all of a sudden next season, potentially starting uh, Churchill a- Abis, which is the guy who has a motor that he can jump out of the gym. And then you're starting a Dennis Evans. who's a five-star freak athlete, one and done type of, in the same kind of mold as an Anthony Davis type of player. All of a sudden, you're looking at a completely transformed front court. And then, if you can hold on to Emmanuel Akorafor, who could be kind of in, in the backup role at, at the four and the five, and have either a Jalen Withers or a JJ Trainer remain with the team, all of a sudden, you're completely transforming your front court and you have legitimate talent, proven talent on this roster right away. You don't have guys that need a ton of development. You have guys that are proven freak athletes who have the intangibles, uh, who, are, who are proven workhorses, who are proven winners. That's a complete change of pace uh, from, from what Louisville saw this year and in and, and the past couple of years, to be honest with you. When you're looking at the transfer portal, this is a guy that has not entered yet, but he's currently not on a team either, uh, And Illinois guard, Sky Clark. Uh, and, and this has been a guy who's had a lot of rumors around him. Going back to his recruitment out of high school, uh, Louisville was right in the mix until the very end with Clark ultimately Clark chose chose Illinois over Louisville started 13 games at Illinois this season and for one reason or another ended up just kind of taking off from the team taking some time for himself now I do know that Sky Clark is still not in the transfer portal Uh, however it has been rumored uh, very strongly that Sky Clark and Louisville have mutual interest with each other again there is no there's nothing to prove this, and with him not being in the transfer portal, you know, it's not really permissible for coaches to to have direct contact with Sky Clark until he does so. Uh, with that in mind, though, absolutely a name to look out for because he was down to Louisville in Illinois, and it seems like kind of for whatever reason regretted his decision to go, go to Illinois. Louisville really, really needs to restock the cover at guard. If L Ellis comes back, I would like to see L Ellis as more of a combo guard back into the role that he had two years ago, and I'd like to see him playing more like 30 minutes a game. Uh, If he doesn't, then you have even more of a reset. But here's some some teams to watch where you're going to have some 2023 players back out on the market probably. Um, if you're looking just across the, the coaching seat landscape, right? Uh, so you have a guy like Mike Bray at Notre Dame who has said he's going to leave. Mike Bray has a top 150 guard, Marcus Burden, who is looking elsewhere. Uh, you have teams like Ole Miss uh, who fired their coach, Kermit Davis, midseason. Uh, and now they have guards out there like Josh Hubbard, who's a number 89 guard in the country. Jordan Burks is a top 200 wing. Uh, Rashad Marshall's the number 85 player in the country. Uh, all those guys are going to be looking around. Uh, look at Stanford. Stanford's having a terrible season. Uh, their coach is probably going to be uh, on the way out the door. Uh, a guy that I am really looking at that our buddy, co-founder Jacob Lane, is in love with is Cannon Carlisle, uh, the number 14, 41 guard on uh, 247 Sports. He's ranked as high as number 17 and ranked as a five-star on ESPN, a guy who could absolutely – Uh, be one of the the hot names out there on the market and then you have another another place like texas Uh, chris beard was fired uh, mid-season due to things that were not associated with coaching and would you look at that one of the players that louisville missed out on uh, in this 2023 class was aj johnson a guy that they were hard after for a long time he's still the number 18 ranked player in the class a six five six five guard who would be an immediate starter at Louisville, regardless of who comes in, who stays, who goes, uh, that's an immediate starter. Uh, and if you all of a sudden, if you have a class where you're adding a Dennis Evans, who's an immediate starter, we're adding a Churchill Abus, who's a guy who, if he isn't a starter, he's a six man, uh, sort of a, Mo- a Montrez Harold type of guy, uh, who as soon as he commits somewhere is going to be a four star. You have a guy like maybe an A.J. Johnson, maybe a guy like a Cannon Carlisle. All of a sudden, you're looking at a roster that's being completely transformed uh, with really solid players, and then you're going to be able to hit the transfer portal. So these same teams, Minnesota, uh, who's their coach is on the hot seat, uh, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing is probably on his way out the door. Uh, they have top guard Marvin out, Al- Marvin Allen. You know, you ha- and and then they have obviously a slew of guards who, like you know, there's teams like Louisville who say. A J.J. trainer is on the way out the door. There could be the J.J. trainer of another team that, that could be on his way in. It's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but what I'm saying is that there are still good players that are on bad teams or good players on teams where coaches leave to go somewhere else or coaches are fired or coaches retire. This stuff happens all the time with the way that that the modern transfer portal works. Louisville's going to be in on some of these high-level players, that have a lot of experience at the power five or division one level. And I think it's vital for Louisville to not only recruit a lot of these players, but to land some of the best players in the country. They will have to do so in order to kind of flip and completely transform this roster. That's gonna about do it for us tonight. We have all so much to get into in the off season. the The season isn't even our isn't even over, and we just have an unlimited range of things to talk about. Uh, now that we finally don't have to talk about just this god awful season. Uh, yes, we still do have at the time of recording. We have a, a week left, but it's time to start looking forward. It's time to start uh, seeing a, a exactly of what this program can become under Kenny Payne and if, if Kenny Payne's going to be the guy. Uh, we will find out very soon, and I think that if, if Louisville continues to not land guys, we could find out in this offseason that it's just not going to work out. We That very well could be the case, and with Louisville basketball, uh, anything but the best is not going to be accepted. So this will be a fun off season. It'll be an off season with a lot of storylines. Once we have an established roster, we can get into – what this team's identity will be, uh, and and, and exactly what that may look like. But I think it's exciting to talk about the potential, what may be, what could be, what could ultimately happen before the start of next season. Until next time, make sure that you like, subscribe, and and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You guys have no idea what that does for us. Uh, That that enables us to get you better in more consistent content over time just by you subscribing. Hit that subscribe button and, and give us some feedback on social media. Starting 502, that's starting 5, F-I-V-E, the number zero, the number two. Follow me on Twitter. Press Meyer. Let me have it. I, I'd like to hear your opinions. I want to hear where we got it right, where we got it wrong, what you want to hear more about, what you want to hear less about. But make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on social media. We love hearing from you guys. We love interacting with you guys. That's why we do this. Until next time, starting 502 Podcast, let's get out of here and go cards. you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com. Code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.